Hello and welcome to another episode of the Sports Council Podcast. My name is Matt and I'm joined today by Gav, G, and Nando for a fantasy football draft special. We will be taking a look at the top running backs on the board and who are the riskiest and safest players to choose from there. Next, we will be sharing our personal vendettas against our most hated players that you should absolutely not draft, but see if anyone could make the case to defend them. Finally, we will be analyzing some of the breakout stars at the wide receiver position. Today is August 16th, 2021, and this is the 26th episode of the show. And always, shout out to Max Carrillo, the awesome intro track. So let's get right into it, guys. Fantasy football, the best time of the year. I think every fall is just like this, where it is complete madness. I think, is, I, I think as <laughs> yeah, I get older, ahead. I think as I get older, I think I enjoy fantasy football season more than Christmas. Really? I think I enjoy fantasy football less and less every year. It's, uh, I still it's... hate it. <laughs> it doesn't matter. That's what I mean, someone that comes last place every year would say. Oh. Dude, I, I was in the finals last uh, season. Where? Oh, the, the one that I colluded. Oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Don't collude, guys. Um, but yeah, this is like if you're just a regular football fan and that's perfectly okay, you know, you normally just watch your team and your team alone. But this is the time of year if you're a fantasy football fanatic, you just watch random games for no reason. Um, like I remember I was watching the Browns Jaguars game last year just because of my boy, James the Flames Robinson. And, you know, or it's just because you have the kicker and you need an extra field goal. Like this is like the most toxic time of the year, but this is also the best time of the year. And we're going to help you this uh, in this episode to kind of help draft your team. We're going to give you some insights as to what to do, because as usual, this is the time of year where drafts are actually coming up. So without further ado, let's get started. So obviously the most valuable position usually when it comes to teams and to drafts is running back. So in the first round, you tend to see a lot of run on running backs and the consensus number one overall pick this year is, of course, Christian McCaffrey, and Dalvin Cook is not far behind him. You would probably get these guys in any format, standard, PPR, half PPR. It doesn't really matter. I think trailing right behind him is Derrick Henry because of his monster stressing season where he had over 2,000 yards. We don't know if he's going to repeat that again, but he's a pretty good bet to get a lot of uh, points this year. So... Then we get into kind of a more riskier position here where you've got a couple of top flight guys, but it's a little bit more risky. You don't really know kind of their situations are changing, their teams are changing, and maybe their talent is changing. Maybe they're getting older. So we have Alvin Kamara of the New Orleans Saints, Ezekiel Elliott of the Dallas Cowboys, Saquon Barkley of the New York Giants, and Jonathan Taylor of the Indianapolis Colts, most projected to be in the first round. In your guys' opinion, who is probably the most risky guy out of those guys and who is probably the safest option if you're more of a manager who wants to play it safe with their first pick? I think I got a little bit of bias here as I was the biggest Kamara fan last year and it paid off pretty well for me. So I'm going to back my guy and say he's the safest option. Safest option. You know, one, almost anybody that had him last year in his league, don't forget the Christmas night game. You know, what is it, four or five touchdowns? So, you know, all I got to say is you've seen what he did last year. 
you know, I obviously know the quarterback situation isn't great there, so that's going to hinder what's going on exactly. But I don't think it's really going to decrease value that much. I think he'll be fine. And then, you know, I say for the riskiest option, I would say Saquon, just due to health and not really think what he – when he's on the field, I think he solidifies himself as a RB1 for your team and you won't have to worry about it. But, you know, you'll have to worry about him being on the field, which is a big thing. Um, I think he'll be fine this year, and I do have a, a lot of confidence in all three running backs. And if I had to take them, I'd probably go Kamara, Zeke, Saquon. I wouldn't be mad with either of them. It's interesting that you say that because I actually have Alvin as probably my riskiest guy, honestly. And honestly, I could just be a hater. When I pushed him to shove, I picked uh, Derrick Henry over Alvin Kamara last year. Didn't work out the way I expected. I wasn't not pleased by the result. But if I if it was hindsight, maybe I would have gone Kamara. It de- just it kind of depends on the league that you were in. But, you know, Alvin Kamara has been a consistent uh, fantasy option through and through. He's always been your number one guy, and he had a breakout year. Well, he didn't have, really have a breakout year last year, but he had a, like, RB1 kind of finish last year. And I think it was, like, six touchdowns. I want to say six touchdowns. It was, like, a, it was a record or something like that. But, yeah, he won people basically their championships, and he – pretty much won you the entire season but the biggest thing for me which is concerning is that when it comes to Kamara I am absolutely concerned about the lack of uh, the loss of Drew Brees in that offense and because Drew Brees is you know Drew Brees his arm was shot basically last year it's been not the best for a while now and he and the New Orleans offense is predicated a lot on kind of throwing it to your running backs and Brees was the king of that he was always feeding Kamara. He was always able to feed Kamara. And I don't think that the New Orleans offense is going to change as much as it is going to be just because Breeze is out there. But Breeze knew when to feed his guys. And I'm not quite sure I trust Jameis, famous Jameis or um, Taysom Hill to do that. And the other thing is that when it comes to, let's say Taysom Hill is the running back. I, I mean, quarterback. <laughs> it, could, it could go either way, honestly. <laughs> honestly. But... Let's say Taysom Hill is your starting quarterback. And let's be honest, Sean Payton is probably going to make him the starting quarterback. Taysom is a runner, first and foremost, honestly. He's not really much of a quarterback. He's like Tim Tebow reincarnate, right? He is going to steal a lot of Kamara's uh, work, I feel like. Especially in the red zone, I feel like he's going to like run it himself. He's going to call his own number when he goes there. And when you check you know, Kamara's stat lines when he had Taysom Hill with him, they were not great when it came to fantasy. And that is what really concerns me is that I feel like that is going to be where Kamar is going to be at when Taysom Hill is his uh, starter. I think it's obviously going to improve and uh, with a whole offseason, Peyton is going to tell him, you know, you got to throw it to Kamar a little bit more. You got to trust your guys. You got to throw it to them. But I just feared that Taysom's going to take away too many touchdowns from Kamara when it comes to the red zone. And Kamara really boomed in the red zone last year. He had, I think the most touchdowns, I want to say last year, in terms of rushing touchdowns, uh, only behind Derrick Henry with 17. So, and then the other thing is that when you look at the Saints offense, you see all these pieces are falling apart, right? You see that, you know, Michael Thomas is injured. We don't know how long he's going to be out for, and you don't see, um, and there's not a lot of other options. And they had to cut a lot of people when it came to their salary cap. So, I fear that Kamara is going to be basically the focal point of the offense. There's not going to be a lot of threats covering him, and then they're all going to basically go on to him, right? 
when it comes yeah, to this. I, I, yeah. But you could, you know, like I think of running backs, I feel like, don't you think that the volume is very important though? You know, like, I feel like he's going to be getting so much volume, which you know, could be his downfall, but at the same time, you know, like, has guaranteed fantasy points. Even if there's not, you know, there's a regression on touchdown, I think, you know, it's crazy to say, but I think he could get more touches. Either that comes from the run game or, like you said, they're going to find new ways to incorporate him into the passing game. I think I that's fair. Because, you know? like, I think the more touches he gets, the more, like, he'll likely get injured because he'll be the focal point. And so that he'll get you good points off in the early part of the season, early half of the season, but I'm pretty sure he'll probably be banged up by the end championship time which is really really need him so i wouldn't really he's pretty he's not as uh risky as i would say uh barkley is just because i don't know how often people come back from torn acls i mean you could have uh the ap uh scenario again but unlikely i just don't feel like kamara would be a good pick yeah and also like even just going off of kamara right now is this I fear that they're going to be way too keyed in on Kamara right now. And then I also fear that the game script for the Saints, I think they're going to be trailing a lot more than they are usually. The Saints are a winning team. And when you are a winning team, I think, in real life, your running backs are favored a little bit more because you're trying to run the ball, you're trying to run the clock out, you're trying to manage the clock because you're already up. Um, And then when you are behind, you tend to pass a little bit more. So you tend to try to get some options the receiving core for losing teams rather than winning teams but really it really just depends but when it comes to Kamara like I feel like they're going to trail a little bit more and then I fear that the defense is going to key in a little more on Kamara just because you know Slant Boy is not going to be there for a couple of weeks. Yeah but I agree with you but if they're down in games the easiest way to come down is to you know feed your running back and play through your running back you know in that check down situation I know a lot of people uh don't like that but you know it's not something you can really rely on but in the same sense you know you know if your team is not going to be good like you said they're going to be passing to get back in games but he, he's going to be getting a lot of those garbage time yards and touches you know even though it might not mean a lot and situational but it will for your fantasy team that's fair that's fair and i think a lot of it depends on whether hill or winston is going to be the option there at quarterback i fear it kamara's um scoring ability a lot more if Taysom hill is at there rather than james winston do you feel do you feel the same way? I mean, I think that if you if Tills out there, you uh, starting quarterback, the run game will be a lot more viable. And you know, the deep passes will probably affect more of like a uh, uh, who's the running wide receiver too? They have like Gal Callaway or something like that. I don't remember his That's name. Uh, yeah. So, Callaway, I want to say. Yeah, right. So, you know, I think he'd probably take more of a hit from getting Taysom starter. You know, I don't think it really affects um, Kamara as much. But I think if Jameis starts, I think that'd probably be the best because he'll probably give you more checkdowns. You know, I think Hill's still going to be incorporated into the game plan somehow. You know, if it's if if uh, Jameis is starting, he'll be more of like a jack-of-all trades like he was last year. But obviously, if he's starting, he's going to be taking a lot of that rushing away. But I think that opens up a little bit more for uh, Kamara's passing ability. I just think that that diversity of having him and compared to someone like Zeke, where, you know, if you shop the run game, you basically neutralize Zeke and he's not going to do anything else. Whereas Kamara is like, okay, if we really run heavy, then he can get active in the pass game and then vice versa, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's see. Any other thoughts as to who the other people to see guys are? You guys agree or what? I mean, I agree, but I feel like to me, it's always more safer to take Kamara PPR compared to 
regular scoring. Because even if, like, they do take away, um, like, touches from Kamara and, like, rushing yards, like, in PPR, I'm pretty sure they're still going to throw it at him. And that builds up more points. But, like, I'd take Kamara in both um, in both leagues. But that's just because, like G said, like, he's biased. I'm biased, too. Like, Kamara's just that guy. Like, I feel like even with Hill or Winston, the only thing I'm worried about is if they start Hill, I know for a fact that it's going to take away touchdowns from Kamara in the red zone. And we saw that in the Christmas game because Kamara could have easily had – I don't think he broke the record for most touchdowns, did he? He tied it? Maybe he tied it. I think he tied Pretty it. Pretty sure he tied it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he tied it. And he could have, like, broke the record, but they gave – Taysom so many chances in there to score and I'm pretty sure he took away like one or two touchdowns from him <sighs> in the red zone when they could have easily just handed the ball off to Kamara yeah that's kind of what I fear basically I saw that far too often with Kyler Murray last year because I drafted Kenyon Drake in the second round and he was going to be a stud but every time they got into the red zone Kyler took it himself he called his own number which is fine if you're Kyler Murray if you have him on his team I didn't have Kyler Murray on my team so uh unfortunate but that's I see, I see i see what you're saying with Taysom, but he's not efficient you know like that kyler murray is i feel like kyler murray has a much more of like a kind of unstoppable factor to him in the red zone compared to Taysom hill you know like you said Taysom hill is very inefficient sometimes so i feel like you know eventually the saints will realize you know if they want to put in touch get touchdowns and the best way to probably do it is to you know go through alvin kamara so it might take a little bit of a i guess a learning period for them but I don't think they'll figure it out because, you know, talent always, you know, prevails. I guess that's fair. And honestly, I, I get your point about Barkley too because I think if, you know, Kamara was there, but I also could have picked Barkley. He's way risky coming off that ACL. Mm-hmm. You don't see that AP kind of season. That's literally why he's basically the only one who's ever done it really. Um, and Giants are terrible, honestly, so I would not want to draft anyone from there anyway. Right. Would you guys say Saquon is a uh, closer to, you know, the upper echelon of, you know, running backs, or is he closer to the, the, the third tier? You know, if we consider Cook, CMC, and Henry in the first tier, and now we're considering, you know, Kamara, Zeke, Barkley in the second tier, you know, the third tier with Najee, Chubb, you think Zeke's closer to that tier or to the very first tier? You would think you think Chubb is third sure. tier? <laughs> yeah, I'd put him. A, I'd put him a no. tier below the the running backs we're talking about right now. I mean, the running backs we're talking about now is let's say top tier, right? Well, okay, mm-hmm. if you're gonna say like S tier, like let's say S tier is your McCaffrey, Cook, Derrick Henry, right? You already put mm-hmm. them at that level. But you're not deviating, right? And then you're saying let's say this is the A tier, then is that? Yeah, I would say this is the A tier. You know, I feel like you know when you say it like that, you're kind of disrespectful to kind of say Chubb's a B tier running back. But in yeah. a sense, I think that, you know, it's just that I would consider him a, a little bit below just because even though we all know that Kareem Hunt's there and it's not going to really affect him, it's just that I know that Kamara or Saquon, Zeke, these guys are going to be bell cows and get more touches if that's through the passing game, if that's through just getting more rushes in Zeke's case. You know, I just trust that more. And that's why I put them in a little bit of a tier below or above um, you know, Chubb, Najee, the guys like that. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you because Chubb, the thing is when catches are so much more essential to fantasy football now more than ever, um, even if you're not in PPR because they're just, you know, they're gimmies because now you're running backs both involved in the run game and the pass game. 
And Chubb, basically, you get that volume off of how efficient of a runner he is. He is just so good when it comes to running the ball. But you know that he's probably not going to get a lot of receiving work. That's where Kareem Hunt is there for, really. And he's going to – Kareem Hunt's usually the guy to take over in the fourth quarter. They usually like Chubb kind of just take the first couple quarters and then Kareem comes in to close it. So, yeah, I would say that, you know, he's a beast. He's a beast in talent, but you don't know if he's going to be the highest scoring option, I'd say. And that's probably what makes him in that lower tier. But, you know, going back to Zeke, are you saying Zeke is not in that A tier anymore? Um, I, I have questions about it. I think he's like, um, you know, I think he's regressed. I think it's clear that he's regressed, you know. But that's where you kind of bring up the discussion. You know, Zeke was S tier running back a couple of years ago. He's regressed to A, dude. Like, I feel like, you know, that's next step regression is coming. Or do you guys feel like it's more of like a – because he did lose a lot of weight in his fairness, and he did come back more cut this year. But, you know, his O-line has taken a significant step backwards. You know, they're just much older, and, you know, they lost a few guys. And, you know, it's just not the same, you know, dominant O-line from the Cowboys four or five years ago. So it kind of just scares me. You know, they saved – they paid almost the house and the stadium – and they're live for Dak Prescott. So I think they're going to pass the ball a little bit and they'll be down in games. So, you know, like they were last year, they were getting, you know, crapped on their defense sucked. They're not much better this year. So, you know, Zeke really going to be out there if they're getting blown out all the time. It's just those type of things, you know. Uh, contradictory thoughts. No, I agree. I'm not a big fan of Zeke ever since um, his uh, rookie year. I feel like he's just been going down every single year and, I don't really see him stepping it up with how G said with that loss of his O-line and stuff like that. And I don't trust Dak. I've never liked Dak, so I don't think he can get that offense rolling. And I don't trust Mike McCarthy. That man's an idiot. <laughs> I don't trust <laughs> anything. I don't trust Mike McCarthy because, look, Jason Garrett always gave my man the ball. I had Zeke two, three seasons ago, and Jason Garrett feeds Ezekiel Elliott. Jason Garrett's not there anymore. And it's not like Zeke hasn't been on losing teams. He was with Jason Garrett for like three years, right? So it's just, yeah, I don't trust Mike McCarthy. I don't think that he was trying to integrate Tony Pollard a lot more. And I don't trust Zeke as much, I want to say. But I'd still, if he was like there in six or something like that. Yeah, see, I'd still take him six. You know, that's what I'm saying. Any of these guys, I would take over, Chubb, that we talked about so far. You know, like the next year, I'm telling you. I would still be happy. I think these first six guys that we mentioned already are defined workhorse. You can get through your season. You know, you can be confident and start them every week. You know, I have no problem with that. Interesting. Like, so let's say, what about Jonathan Taylor, though? Let's say, talk about Jonathan Taylor for a second there. Because do you think he's being drafted at a ceiling right now? Because I feel like that's the case. I agree. I I, would, I think he's. I think last the end of that last year was a very uh, how do you how do you say it? situational you know um, thing. You know, Naheem Naheem Hines was hurt, Marlon Mack was hurt, and it was just his lone backfield, right? So if you take you know the other two running backs, they re-signed Mack, and Hines already had a contract, right? So it's you know that's just two running backs coming back into the backfield, you know you know, you wouldn't bring him back if you weren't going to give him touches. So obviously they're going to give some type of workload, right? It's not going to be 28 rushes, 30 rushes for Jonathan Taylor. And then obviously you got Carson Wentz. Eventually he's going to play and you got him because he's supposed to be a better 
passer than Fuevi they had last year, meaning they want to pass the ball more. If they were okay just running the ball, they probably would have just brought Philip Rivers back, you know. But there was there's a reason why he retired because he couldn't throw the ball. So they want to throw the ball, they brought a younger guy in. So it just says that they're trying to move away from John to Taylor. So that's why I wouldn't really I wouldn't really take him over any of the guys we named. But that's just me though. I wouldn't take him over any of the guys we just talked about. And yeah, the thing is with Jonathan Taylor, I feel like the sky is like he's being drafted at his absolute high right now. I saw him around seven, eight, nine. And you literally have to be a running back one in order to, I feel like people are way too high on him. I think that, you know, he's a great talent again, but for him to basically hit those totals that you're expecting him to, because you're basically saying you're my number one running back, right? You're my RB one. And then you're probably going to get a lower in talent as your RB two. He has to basically hit a different kind of like kind of talent right there. He's got to be in that Kamara. He's got to be in that Barkley Zeke range. Right. And, you know, it's just a lot of, it's just a gamble I'm not willing to take when it comes to Taylor. I bet, like, I wouldn't, I would draft Kamara Zeke Barkley over him. Maybe, like, I really am kind of concerned about Barkley, but, and maybe Chubb. I just, like, I'd put it in that tier where, like, I could see Nick Chubb doing a lot better. I could see Nick Chubb hitting the tier. He just goes off and he gets a lot of touchdowns, gets a lot of rushing yards. We know Derrick Henry doesn't get a lot of uh, passes thrown his way, but we know that he can run. Nick Chubb can run. I just don't know if Taylor can hit that high of a ceiling. And basically, if you don't, if you don't get that from Taylor with your first pick, you're already done for. Does it not scare you that Wentz and Quentin Nelson are also hurt? If Quentin Nelson's hurt, then I'm gonna out and like out. But I think that he'll be back eventually. But like their Colts are built on that O line. I know yeah. Reich likes to run, but I just don't think that you know they can as much with their O line if their O line is hurt, right? Mm, I think it's very uh, variable dependent. You know, there's too many things in Jonathan Taylor's for that need to happen for him to have that. Um, productive ending of what last year that he had and into the playoffs so mm-hmm. I don't know it'll be hard but I think you know if he's there at the end of the first maybe swinging back into the early second I think he's not too bad of a pick you know but at what number seven pick number eight pick I would probably not I'd probably shy away from Taylor yeah I mean maybe at the turnaround right you basically like, yeah I feel like he's definitely going to be Another Jay Ajay, Jordan Howard, Joe Mixon, and Kenyon Drake, like fantasy-wise. Like they had, what, like a couple good games the season before, and then that just like makes their draft stock like rise. Like I remember Jay Ajay, he had like two good games where like most of his yards came from, and like the next season he was getting drafted in top 10. And I drafted him top 10. I remember that year I drafted Jay Ajay at the 10th, and then the 11th I took Jordan Howard. And they were just both garbage the next season. <laughs> and I feel like that's why I'm staying away from Jonathan Taylor because I just have a feeling that he's going to be another one of those. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, you got to worry about that stretch, like, right before. Basically, during the postseason, like, they do a postseason run, let's say, like, weeks 13 through 15, right? And they're going off. And then that's all you remember them for the next year. 
but then you don't realize like the the statistics behind it. You know, it's a bad defense that they were playing against, um, different circumstances, right? And the team has changed, the players have changed. When it comes to that, um, you you tend to basically draft them at their peak. Again, I saw that with Kenyon Drake last year, burned me because he had one great game against Seattle that won a lot people a lot of championships, and then I drafted him in the second. So yeah, be careful of those pitfalls. You got to do some of your research on your players, see exactly how consistent they are because sometimes it's just the demand of the players, right? You don't have to draft players at their ADP just because everyone else thinks they're going to be at that range. If you have a feeling about them, if you think that you're seeing something that everyone basically isn't, trust your gut. But um, I think we've exhausted the topic. In case anyone else wants to say anything, does anyone want to give kind of their options for a safe running back that they would choose in the first round? It doesn't have to just be from like these four people. I'm a biased guy with this answer. I'm going to go Najee Harris. I like him in the end of the second, early first. Um, I think he's in the next upcoming bell cow type of guy. He's clear. The Steelers have always been a running back favorite uh, type of team, you know, so um you know, they want to run the ball. They made an emphasis on running the ball and drafting him in the first round means they're going to, and if you watch their first preseason game, I know it's just preseason. They were feeding him in the preseason. You know, I think that only means that, you know, in the during the season, he's going to get his fair share of touches and, you know, you won't be disappointed by his value. <laughs> That's fair. I think Tomlin always makes someone the bell cow back. So why not? Why not Najee Harris? They invested a lot of capital in him. They're probably he's talented, that. man. I'm telling you, he yeah. can catch, he can run. You can do everything that you want from a, you know, like an Alvin Kamara, but he's even bigger. He can take a few hits and stuff, you know, so it should be very good. Yeah. I mean, we might see him in that Jonathan Taylor range next year. We'll see. All right. Let's switch gears here. Now we were talking about basically our riskiest guys, people that you would probably not draft. This is a player that you would basically never touch, like in any of your leagues whatsoever. It doesn't matter if you don't think he's going to be good. It doesn't matter if you have a personal vendetta against him just because, you know, he screwed you last season or whatever. Just really, you know, someone that you just basically would never want to draft. And make your case, first of all. It could be as petty as possible, but that's not going to convince a lot of people. And then we're going to have another person on the podcast try to convince you why you shouldn't take that angle. They should probably pick the uh, devil's advocate there. Like last year, I would not touch Stefan Diggs because he burned me two years in a row as my wide receiver too. He basically powdered his way out of Minnesota and I was pissed off at him. So I swore I would never draft Stefan Diggs again. And of course he made me pay for that. But we're shifting off to a new level. I have a new player that I have on my mind that I'm going to hate, but why don't you guys go first? Let me start, let me start. Okay. Anyone on the Steelers? I hate you. <laughs> I was no. going to say that. I was going to say. No, but in all honesty, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, bro. That guy did me dirty last season. I picked him with my first pick, dude. Everyone hyped him up. They, I thought he was going to have a, um, uh, a hunt season. I thought he was just going to be that, like, just fit that same type of play style. But he did nothing for me. And I barely made it to the... Uh, the, the semifinals in my league only because of um, Keenan Allen and uh, what's his face there? Uh, oh my God, what's the Lamar? Oh, and Lamar, yeah. Oh my God, Lamar, I love you. 
I'm in Maryland now, dude. I'll, I'll come and suck you up. Uh, the invitation is open, Lamar. Look, here's the deal with Clyde. Clyde's ADP obviously now is basically gone to the third round, I'd say. Third, fourth round, maybe even late second. Depends on what league you're in. So, again, just with the Jonathan, just like with the Jonathan Taylor argument, Clyde was being drafted at his absolute ceiling, right? He was going to be at, like, that's the best case scenario you were going to get. And if you were to draft him at that point, you needed him to perform like an RB1. Now, if you draft him at where he's currently at, let's say the second, third round, you're drafting him more as an RB2, RB3, maybe even as a flex position. So the pressure isn't as on him as much. You have other running backs that could take the workload for you, basically, in terms of scoring. But let's not forget that the Kansas City offense was uber efficient last year when it came to just passing the ball. Patrick just loves to pass it. And the thing is, they also were terrible in the red zone because they couldn't run the ball because their offensive line was so bad. I think the Super Bowl last year and Super Bowl loss basically gave Andy Reid some herbis. He understood that he needs to get back more to his kind of philosophy, which was always to make his running backs good. We've seen it time and time again. Shady, uh, Brian Westbrook, saw it with Kareem Hunt. And I think we're going to see it with Clyde edwards Hilaire because Andy knows that he loves to work his running backs. He knows how to use his running backs. And I think when you get a guy like Clyde in there with his second year, and I feel like second year uh, players always take off. When it comes to rookie years, I feel like they got to get adjusted a little bit more when it comes to the offense, especially with a complicated offense like the Chiefs. And um, when COVID has kind of shortened the offseason, I think that with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I think he's going to be a lot more adjusted into the offense. I think the Chiefs offensive line is going to be a lot better. I think he's going to see a lot more touches, especially in the red zone. I think he could be, honestly, a pretty good candidate. And I could even see him stretch into that RB1 conversation. Dude, I'd rather draft the Jet than him right now, dude. I hate that guy. Who? Who are you talking Jared about? Jarek McKinnon. Oh. Oh. No, fuck that. I'd rather draft him, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather draft that guy, bro. Yo, Clyde. I, I drafted him, and then he tore his ACL in practice, I think, the next day. <laughs> that sounds like a you problem, bro. I'm talking he's about He's on my now, team, bro. too. He was on my – he he's on my team and my team, the 49ers. Goddamn. Disappointing in many levels. All right, who's next? Uh, I can go next. A guy that I will not be drafting in any of my leagues, and as much as you can try to convince me, will be Miles Sanders. Um, <laughs> I don't know how anybody on the face of the earth can make an argument for me to draft him at like the fourth round, fifth round. Like he is horrible value. A, that's the first problem, and B, he sucks ass. Like it's it's not it's not like a unknown thing. Like we know he's horrible. Like I mean horrendous. You know, like we've seen him last year. That man could not get anything done like he's inefficient he is you know not really good at catching the ball although he's supposed to be a you know a dual threat running back he can't catch he's pretty ass his hands don't really work so i don't know someone could try making the crazy argument for eckler and i'll be surprised or not eckler sorry standards yeah Anderson. i was about to say i was like yeah. okay now it's easier to, for me to make <laughs> he really is thinking <laughs> he's really thinking eckler. <laughs> i was like oh man Anyone want to make an argument for this? I don't think there is. I wouldn't touch that with a dirty stick, dude. I mean, I agree with you, G. It's going to be hard. I'm going to try it a little bit more. Um, A for effort. 
Okay. Yeah. Let's let's see how well my debate skills are because I I truly do not believe in Miles Sanders either. So, but if you were to make an optimist case, let's say there's the Miles Sanders fan out there listening, and he wants to be you know reinforced that his draft pick was good, or her. We don't judge. You could say that Miles Sanders again. Let's look at the ADP. He was around eighth. I want to say eight or nine. He was in that. Um, he was in that kind of. Again, in that Clyde Edwards Hilaire, he was in that Jonathan Taylor kind of uh, this year kind of area where you could kind of take him at the back end of the first round. He obviously disappointed, and that kind of whole Eagles offense disappointed. Here's the thing that Eagles offense was awful, right? You had Carson Wentz out there, not good, injured all the time. Then you had all the wide receivers injured. They were starting Travis Fulgham as their wide receiver one at a certain point in time, right? You had a rookie Jalen Hurts out there. And he was good, but he wasn't great. He wasn't excellent. When you finally add all the pieces back to that Eagles, let's say the Eagles finally get healthy. Let's say this is a year that the Eagles finally get healthy. They have a good offensive line. They don't have Travis Fulgham out there as their wide receiver one, right? They have Devontae Smith. They have a second-year Jalen Rager. They have other pieces out there. They have Dallas Goddard. They have Zach Ertz, right? That's going to open up the field. That's going to allow safeties to back off a little, and maybe Miles Sanders will be able to run. You saw that when Miles Sanders was with Carson Wentz, it was not great results. Surprisingly, with Jalen Hurts, even though he is a running quarterback, Miles Sanders had the best game of his of the year against the New Orleans Saints. The option of Jalen Hurts might, in fact, actually open it up for Miles Sanders to run. Maybe he takes some of those read options and he's going to make his best with it. But I would just not give up on Miles Sanders yet just because he's so young. There's a lot of potential there. And that, let's say your third round pick, you couldn't go wrong with him, right? Because he's basically your second option at most. Maybe even your flex. Depends on how many running backs you draft. But you also have to expect that with a new offensive uh, new offensive mind, basically, and Nick Sirianni, maybe he's able to kind of unlock his potential there. That's the I best it, I got. <laughs> I give it to you. You did give me a fair argument. I think I think it just comes down to if you believe in Jalen Hurts, I think then Miles Sanders is not a bad investment. Like if you're maybe like an Eagles fan, you're like, I think Hurts is the real deal. Because like you said, it will open it up for him, but I'm not the biggest on Hurts. So it's hard for me to be, you know, big on Miles Sanders and I'm not big on, you know, the quarterback there. So I don't know. We'll see about the Eagles. I think they're going to be pretty bad as a team. So. Yeah, I don't believe in them at all, honestly. But like, doesn't help that they signed Carry think... Johnson and Jordan Howard, or right there we had Jordan Howard, but Carry Johnson. Oh whatever. So he'd be running back by Carry on Johnson. Dude, that that guy. Carry on's okay. But uh, the other Carry on. Jordan Jordan Howard. No Jordan Howard. Yeah, yeah he yeah. was already on there, but nah, it's dude. over for it's over for the Eagles, dude. What if they start Joe Flacco? Okay. Then I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start Joe Flacco. <laughs> he's still playing. He is. He's the backup. Nick Mullins is also the third string, I think. <laughs> he is. He is. He threw more interceptions and completions. I heard in the preseason. Yeah. He's uh, on on par, I guess. How he has a job makes no sense to me. <laughs> that's not what we're here for today, are we? No, sir. <laughs> I don't think we're gonna be talking about Flacco anymore in the fantasy podcast. Um, what about you, Nando? What you got? A player that I would not be drafting 
is Joe Mixon. <laughs> oh my god. Understand. Joe Mixon is fucking ass. <laughs> I honestly think he's the most overrated running back in the league. All right. Even All with right. the new line. I'll make I'll make the argument for Joe Mixon, okay? It's it's honestly probably much easier than Miles Andrews, first of all. <laughs> A thousand percent. Very true. Okay. And I, my, my thing is though, so so the same discussion that kind of you were having with Miles Andrews that you were trying to make is that team around him was horrendous. The same can be said for um, you know, Joe Mixon. This year is gonna be the best team that the Bengals have had while Joe Mixon's been there, you know. Like, he's going to have, hopefully, you know, a healthier Joe Burrow who plays a full season. He's going to have three good receivers out there to take some, you know, people out of the box and, you know, like not be so focused on Joe Mixon. And, you know, I don't think it might might hurt him in the carries and attempts category, but in the efficiency and in the touchdowns, you know, they're actually having scoring drives because there's, something to throw to and, you know, be able to progress to when the run game is out there or run games getting stuff, which was a problem for the Bengals before. So if you just take that then you know, and you take the aspect that Joe Mixon has played with the worst Bengal teams and been fantasy relevant, right? So if you give him something decent and, you know, like the team is not terrible now, right, offensively and fantasy-wise, they're not like – they're going to be pretty decent. Like if anything, I think like – this might be one of Joe Mixon's most efficient years. And that would kind of be my main like argument would be you just, you know, you had him before and his team sucked, right? Now that his team's better, there's no way he's going to, you know, take a step backwards. But yeah, you guys can uh, let me know what you think about that. Oh, I won't draft Joe Mixon, but I am convinced by the argument, I'd say. Dude, I'm I, for the first time, and I'm 100% agreeing with you. Yeah, we, the line that, that just that Mixon is good. Bigger. Yes, dude. You had him too when he busted. I had him. T- dude. That sounds. Weird. He busted <laughs> out for me, bro. That sounds weird. He had one good game where he had like three touchdowns. Saved me. I love that guy forever just because of that. I'm pretty sure he had a good game last year too, and then he got hurt the like week after. I want to say the line is just better now, and um, Joe Burrow is going to be healthy. Joe yeah, two point or that. whatever. What was it? Uh, Joe squared. What What did you have? Matt, you had a. That's true. Joe Square. Aaron, Aaron Squared. I had Aaron Jones and Aaron Rodgers eight one year. It's Joe Square, dude. It's over. I dicked everyone with it <laughs> until I lost. Okay. I mean, you guys are all have your running backs that you hate. I don't hate running backs. I hate Kenyon Drake, but I'm not going to bring him in because he's already irrelevant at this point. So let me go with the wide receiver that I hate. No, it's not Stefan Diggs this time. It is Kenny Galladay of the New York Giants, the newly signed New York Giant. Look, he had a breakout year in 2018. Two seasons ago, he was one of the best wide receivers, and he was great because of his value as well. He was like a third, fourth-round pick, I want to say, and he was able to get to kind of a top-five wide receiver kind of year. That led him to be overdrafted the next year, where happy-go-lucky me drafted him in the fourth round and uh, had him as my number one wide receiver thing is the dude is always hurt he had hamstring issues at the beginning of the year that he basically never recovered from and then he came back had one pretty good like had maybe one or two pretty good year uh games then on another contested catch which he always seems to make because he has no separation whatsoever he hurts himself again and he basically takes himself out for the rest of the year i was not pleased at the loss of draft capital 
And even now, when you draft him, let's say in the sixth or seventh round, because that's where he is, because that's where he deserves to be, he will not be good with the New York Giants. He's not going to bring back that 2018 Galladay that you were hoping for. Why? One, he doesn't have Matthew Stafford as his quarterback anymore. He has Daniel Jones, which is basically just the biggest downgrade whatsoever. It's like going from... Any dimes? Yeah, it's going from Aaron Rodgers to Drew Locke, let's say. Like, that is just horrific for someone. And I don't think that the Giants are going to be that good. And I don't believe in Danny Dimes. I think they're going to replace him next year, basically. That whole regime, basically, that whole era is going to be a mistake. And I don't think Daniel Jones is going to be able to support Kenny Galladay like Matt Safford does. Second thing, Kenny does not get a lot of separation. What he does is that he does all these contested passes from, let's say, 20-plus yards out, right? He has great average target depth, which means that, you know, if he gets one catch, let's say he only gets five catches, but he'll bring in like 96 yards just based off of that, which is good. But you need separation eventually to stand out. And when you're throwing it deep to Kenny Galladay, and that's your like one-trick pony, you need to have the time to go deep. The Giants' offensive line was awful, terrible, and it still is. That's still why I don't want to draft Saquon, because that offensive line is not that good anyway. So when you are expecting Kenny Galladay to get those deep passes, you have to expect that those deep passes are even going to get off in the first place. I don't think so. And even if that pass gets off, it's going to go over his head, and then Kenny Galladay is going to reach for it, going to get hurt again out five to ten weeks. That's uh, my that's case a, against that's, him. That's a, that's a rough storyline there. You I, don't, I, don't, I don't hate him personally, but I'm not going to draft him. But we're does, talking does, about a guy in the sixth and seventh round. Next. Yeah. I mean, that's does, where Stephon Diggs was. Ando or Gav, do you guys want to make the argument for him, or should I, should I do this one? Dude, can you, you can go. Yeah, there's no way. All right. <laughs> my, my thing is, though, okay, as much as you're hating on Daniel Jones, which I agree as a – Franchise, I would not want him as my quarterback. He can throw the deep ball. That is the only part of his game that is half decent. If there's anything that was positive about his game, it's his deep his ability to throw the ball deep. Okay, so that's first thing. He's one of the best deep ball throwers last year with no sh- like absolutely weapons on the Giants team, right? Last year their team was ass, and it's because one of the main reasons was they have no weapons. Okay, and even this year, you know, we bring up the Saquon's always injured. You know, even though Kenny Galladay is always injured, he might be one of the only – when he's out there, he might be one of the only, you know, decent weapons they have. So, um, I don't know. I think that, you know, if you put in the ability – his ability to catch deep balls, they have decent other, like, second and third we- weapons. So, he won't be, you know, triple teamed and double teamed like he was in Detroit. So, he won't have to, you know, you know, try to injure himself to make every catch. He'll have more opportunities to go one-on-one. And especially if Saquon is healthy – and you have to worry about Saquon before Kenny Galladay. So if you're drafting him in sixth, seventh round, and he's, you know, obviously I can't speak for his behalf of his health. He's not a healthy player. So if he gets hurt, he gets hurt. I can't tell you anything about that, right? So that's why he's in the seventh round. But if he's healthy, I, he will outplay his ADP. That ADP is low because it's probably, you know, expected to miss at least three or four games, like Matt said. So if he's healthy and plays a full 16, 17 games, then he will – you know, I give you think give you top 20 wide receiver upside. You know, he has like, you know, in 2018 and proven that he's wide receiver one capable and especially in fantasy. And if the Giants are going to be at all relevant, you know, Kenny Galladay will have to be one of the big components of that. And, you know, regardless of how competent their team is and especially how competent uh, Daniel Jones is, I think they'll be getting, you know, 
their money's worth. You know, they paid him Galladay a lot of money for a guy who's been injured and, you know, all this other stuff. But, you know, they paid him, so they're going to use him one way or another. So I think they'll get his uh, – he'll get a lot of touches. And, you know, might not be the most efficient or pretty-looking passes coming from Daniel Jones. But I think he'll definitely outplay a six to seventh round ADP. I think that's fair. That's fair. I think he could be a lottery ticket because you don't see a lot of guys in the sixth or seventh round with the wide receiver one potential that Galladay may have. Counterpoint, he is already injured. He uh, hurt his hamstring practice. So we will see. Yeah, hamstrings <laughs> are not the best injury to have. <laughs> Unfortunate for him. But let's segue with this. Let's move on to just all wide receivers in general. We covered the running backs a little bit uh, earlier. But now let's go on to the wide receivers. We have our top guys. We have Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, uh, DK Metcalf, um, Justin Jefferson. But, you know, let's talk about some of the guys that may be in the later rounds. Or let's just talk about kind of the younger guys at first. Um, you have a ton of sophomore uh, wide receivers, some of which impress, some of which still need some room to grow. We have Brandon Ayuk, C.D. Lamb, Jerry Judy, Justin Jefferson, Jalen Reger, Chase Claypool, Henry Ruggs. What we've seen in the past, and this has been a growing trend, is that wide receivers tend to break out now more in their second year than their third year. We obviously saw the third year breakout of Calvin Ridley, but we tend to see more wide receivers break out in their second year now. So out of this list, or you have any other players in their second year as a wide receiver, who do you think breaks out? And who do you think may have like a sophomore slump? My breakout would be C.D. Lamb. Uh, I know people probably think I'd say Claypool, you know, Steeler bias. I don't think so. I think C.D. Lamb will be um, almost as good as Jefferson in his own way, though. Uh, last year, C.D. Lamb was strictly playing the slot, which is one of the big reasons why he wasn't um, – if you look at his numbers, he was really good, but there wasn't much, um, you know, depth or there wasn't much volume there. I think that's probably the better word. So if you – which they said they did this year, moving back to the outside, what his original position is to play. I think he's going to be one of the top receivers. He's going to be one of the receivers you draft from the third or fourth round that might be playing like a wide receiver one. And he'll, he'll be perfect for that role because they're taking a step back from Gallup and letting, you know, um, CD Lamb play the outside now. I think that's going to be huge. And obviously they're going to be down a lot of games. Like I said earlier, I don't believe in the, the Cowboys defense at all. So I think they'll be really, really bad. Um, you know, so they'll have to be passing it. And last year, Dak Prescott was on a pace to throw for almost 5,500 plus yards. I know that sounds crazy, but that's what he was doing. That's what he was on pace for. He got hurt, but he'll be back. He's back this year. And if they're anything like they were last year and CD Lamb didn't be getting a bigger role because he was really efficient in the small role that he did have. And, you know, if you've been watching Hard Knocks, you know that, you know, CD Lamb is really going to be that guy. And there's always the, the one, uh, what is it called? The hard knock star that ends up actually being really good that season. And I think this is going to be CeeDee Lamb. And, you know, uh, I think he out of the, you know, obviously Justin Jefferson is Justin Jefferson, and he's going to be like probably the best receiver out of this class. I think that CeeDee Lamb will uh, definitely be at that second or third spot. I think that's a good argument, honestly. And I would have CeeDee there too. He's putting up numbers in Dallas without Dak. He's putting up numbers with Dak. So, I have no reason to doubt him. And he was probably, he should have been the wide receiver one taken off the board. And uh, the Raiders 
chose Henry Ruggs, I think, instead with that. And the other picks, basically, for wide breakout wide receiver? I tell you who have a slump, bro. Okay. Uh, G's guy, bro. That guy's guard. He's going to chase Claypool, dude. He's going to have a slump because he's going to be catching a hands with the the best corners in the league. So, I mean, like, it's over for him, dude. Juju will probably have a better chance of becoming a better again because he reprises a role as the uh, wide receiver, too. It'll be over. I'm sensing the trend here. All right, all right. I'm not going to try to be a homer, but, hey, Claypool barely did shit last year. Like, he was good. He had the smallest role in the offense. So, if his role is any bigger, which usually is second year, it is. So, I think he'll be fine. But I don't think he's, like – I think he's only getting drafted. I think he's getting drafted pretty late in the seventh, eighth round. So, I mean, for what it's worth, he'll be good for his value. If you're drafting him for upside, there's not much there. Like I would love to tell us. Don't listen to this homer. I think Claypool Claypool is good just because of his utility. I think that he brings something that Deontay and Juju don't. He can run. Like he he has those gadget plays where he basically – is handed the ball and then like on kind of like a sideways like uh it's like an end around and mm. he sweeps does some stuff there. yeah exactly he does a lot of sweeps he does a lot of end arounds and he also six four runs fast so he's like you know he's like you said he's a specimen of his own you know compared to the rest of the receiving core there Deontay the small guy Juju's not the biggest he's like in the middle somewhere and you know Claypool big huge red zone threat too you know if it's just depending on how big the role is going to be. And, you know, they're going to uh, – I think they're going to – obviously, they drafted running backs. So they're going to push back on a little bit on 45 short throws from Big Ben and actually run an offense this year. So well, I think what, that'll what probably – Ben can only throw that far? Have you ever considered Don't that? disrespect Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> We're not going to do this whole episode. He's old. Just disrespecting one stealer after another. Okay. <laughs> well, this is a legitimate concern here. <laughs> no, he's young. He's in his youth. Uh-huh. No that? way, dude. That guy still downs 40 pancakes a day, dude. You're, no, he said he changed his diet, bro. Okay? Big news out of training camp, okay? I mean, obviously, you're not been paying attention. Everyone, everyone in training camp gets bigger or smaller or they lose weight or they're in the best shape of their life. Uh, okay. I, don't really, I don't put a lot of stock into it. That's because you're not <laughs> a Steeler fan. Nah, man. But I am a Niners fan, and I am going to say Homer. as my sophomore star <laughs> – we're going to have Brandon Ayuk out there. He's going to be a wide receiver one by the end. He is. I love him, though. I, yeah. I, as much as you're a homer, I do, I do agree with you. I think he's got some of the cleanest routes in the league. I think Kyle Shanahan knows this. When he was operating with Nick Mullins and C.J. Beathard on the center for most of his games, he was killing it. He was still a wide receiver one. And even though I am a little bit concerned with George Kittle coming back, Debo Samuel coming back, there's going to be a lot less targets for him. But I think that Kyle Shanahan knows who's the number one guy is. I think that it's going to open up the offense a little bit more, especially if Trey Lance becomes a starter there. I think that Brandon Ayuk has the potential. Like, if you're drafting a guy, let's say, in the eighth, seventh or eighth round, like you are with Brandon Ayuk, like you are probably with Chase Claypool, you want to get as much risk as possible just because of the reward of being a wide receiver one, right? So, Brandon Ayuk, at worst, is going to be the Niners' second option out there. You wouldn't take a flyer, basically, on a wide receiver, too. That could break out to be maybe in the top 10 wide receivers at the end of the year. I would do that. I think Kyle Shanahan, again, he drafted this guy in the first round. He hasn't drafted any other wide receiver in the first round. Not even Debo, not Kittle. 
Nobody. I think Brandon Ayuk is your guy. Is all I got to say? No arguments for me, man. I like him. Like, He's a talent, yeah. bro. He is a, such a talent. If you watch him big play, stud. yeah. If you watch him play, like you said, I think the big thing is they're going to be healthier as a team, which means they're going to be getting to the touchdown red zone more. Obviously, Kittle's going to take away from that, but at the same time, like there's a competent quarterback, and you cannot, you know, yeah. stress Jimmy's how important bad. that is. <laughs> He's, you know, we might hate Jimmy for being Jimmy, but he's definitely on a different scale from the whatever that was last year. I don't even know if that's quarterback play last year. DJ Beathard, I think, and Nick Mullins are both now quarterback threes. I think Beathard's on the uh, Jaguars, I want to say. Behind him, I want to say. Uh, That's terrific for him. Ah, yes. Hey, he's still getting paid, honestly. Not bad. Yeah, that's all that really matters. But, yeah, Ayuk is that guy. And, you know, um, I know we all talked about stars. Uh, my slump is obviously Henry Ruggs. I don't know what the fuck's going on in that team. That <laughs> team sucks. Uh, I think I think you want to talk about coaches on the hot seat. I think the Raiders probably don't do jack shit this year. Drew Gruden's probably going to be gone. And you know, I think it's a great, you know, it was a great story when it happened. You know, I think he should probably go back to Monday Night Football and not coach anymore because – you know, he's a great personality, but I don't think uh, he's the type of coach that you want in 2021, you know? And this offense is kind of shit. I don't know how else to put it. I don't know who to blame for that, but Henry Ruggs' value is, you know, you're bidding him almost in the double-digit rounds, if I'm mistaken. So, you know, I'm not going to hate on him too much. He might have some upside, but that offensive line is asked. Derek Carr is the worst when he has bad offensive lines, and there's just so many other weapons there. And all of them suck, other than Waller. I wouldn't draft Ruggs either. He's basically – first of all, I don't think they're going to fire Gruden. He has six years left on his contract. So, <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that crazy <laughs> to think about? He doesn't even have a winning season yet, and he still has six more. He, he signed 10 years, $100 million, which is ridiculous. That means if he is fired and he has six years left, let's say – so. He'd be owed fifty million still at the end of the year, like just that's for just, free. That's just insane. He's he's not a good coach <laughs> though. That's what you, I just don't get. Like, he's you know, like not. he's he's been he's been like trying to get the Gruden guys, and there's a certain type of players that he likes, and all this other stuff. You know, it's been years now. You know, it's four years into this contract, like you're saying. So like, there's just zero results for it. That's more of just a Raider thing. But you know, if your team's not doing good and your team sucks, like does sort of translate to fantasy. It's not too much relevancy, but it does really affect, like, the player's ability to, you know, have that, you know, leap like we're talking about with IU, we're talking about with Lamb. Their teams are going to be, you know, relevant and good, scoring touchdowns, you know, all this other stuff, you know. I think it's just in, in the combination of everything, it really just does help. You know, you want a player that's team is succeeding, he's doing well. It kind of just boosts everything, in my opinion. And I don't know. Yeah, I, mean, I just I, don't think the Raiders are that. I, I just don't see potential in rugs. Like, I just don't see any indication as to why I like, give me a case for why Henry Ruggs should be chosen because he's not the number one option. That's Waller, right? You could argue that basically rugs has not really shown a lot of flashes last year. So mm-hmm. he doesn't have that. Ayuk uh, kind of signs. He doesn't have those CD kind of signs. He's in not the best team in the league. He's kind of on yeah. a fringe, kind of like not a playoff team. 
And he's probably going to go up against not – he's going to go up against tougher defenses, right? They're going to air it out probably because they're going to be behind. But this is also a run-first team because Gruden loves to run his guys. He loves Josh Jacobs. That's why Josh Jacobs was so good last year because of volume, right? So it's just – I don't see a path for him to be a breakout, like – start right unless they're basically like they hit every single deep play right and like cars is gonna like throw it deep yeah but with, 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 with what line you know like uh, they traded what three offensive linemen or they like traded two and cut one or some shit like that right yeah they, they <laughs> basically have like a fire sale on all line and you know he henry ruggs is a deep deep pass you know type of receiver and you need offensive line to have deep passes. It just doesn't make sense, you know. Just think about it when you're drafting players like this. Does it make sense? Like, is their situation getting better or worse? Like, and you just think Ruggs is one of those guys that's just getting worse for him. Exactly. I just don't – yeah, I don't understand why they traded away. Like, they basically gutted their offensive line for no reason. It's like they like, there's always been rumors that Gruden hates Carr. And it's been there every single year he's been there. This is their fifth season now together. It just feels like Gruden is setting them up to be in the worst possible situation right now so you can get rid of him. But, yeah, it's just it's ridiculous. I don't see the Raiders being good. I don't see Ruggs being good, at least viable in terms of fantasy. Right. That's a problem. Like, are you really going to pick up Ruggs? Okay, you do. He's probably going to sit on your bench for most of the year. But are you going to have enough confidence? Or is he going to have is this role going to increase to where you're actually going to play him? You know, that's what it really comes down to. How often are you going to play this guy in fantasy? And I think when it comes down to it, you're probably not going to be playing Rugs that much. So there's not really a point in having him around. Yeah, don't even draft him. I mean, you don't necessarily have to pick your guys in the first four rounds in order to have a wide receiver one. We've seen it time and time again that, you know, stars happen. We saw Calvin Ridley being drafted all the way in like the fourth, fifth, sixth round because he was the second wide receiver behind Julio. Then he had a breakout year. He was like the wide receiver four for the entire season. And then Stephon Diggs, obviously, he, uh, much to my chagrin, he broke out as well in Buffalo. He was the number one option with Josh Allen. And he was able to kind of, you know, make his case as to why he was being held back in Minnesota. So, do you see a breakout wide receiver? Let's say just other than the guys that we just talked about, do you have any other guys that you could see who's falling all the way back down there and you could see them having kind of a Ridley, kind of having a Diggs kind of season? Um, yeah, let me see. My guy that I really like, I kind of gave one over CD Lamb. I think he's going to have a really big role, but he's still getting drafted really early in the round. Um, I got, I like, and I think you can get him in the ninth or 10th round um, is Robbie Anderson. Um, I think he had a really good year last year, and people were really expecting him to kind of take a step back, which I think is kind of, you know, doesn't really make sense to think about. Uh, if you take their offense, obviously Christian McCaffrey's back, and um, if you watched any of the Panthers last year, they weren't really, I don't know how to explain it. They weren't really high-popping. They were really, you know, Teddy Bridgewater there was their quarterback. And if you watch Teddy play, you know what the offenses look like with Teddy safe it's kind of short intermediate passes you know it's not really a lot of flexibility and i'm not saying sam darnold's like significantly better than him or anything i think in this the sense of you know um he's gonna stretch the ball more he's in the best situation he's been in his career and he's the only receiver that's actually worked with sam or with or robbie anderson's the only receiver that worked with sam darnold before so you know i think that's really you know a telling having a previous history with the quarterback and 
I don't know. I feel, I personally feel like Robbie Anderson is going to have a lot of upside, and you're getting him almost in the tenth to eleventh round, and he's going to be a starter. You know, he was starting caliber receiver last year, and they lost Curtis Samuel. Replaced him with not much. Obviously, McCaffrey comes back, so he's going to be getting a stupid amount of touches. That's why he's getting episode, you know, or he's pick number one. You know, so I just think of it like, you know, where you're getting him in the almost 10th, 11th round, you know, where he could go up to and be the top 20, 30 receiver. It's just that value. And, you know, if the Panthers are good and Matt Rule's offense is as good as it's supposed to be, there's chances that he can even be a wide receiver one for you, you know, and you're getting him so late. I think it's tremendous value for every one of your drafts. Yeah, I mean, the only issue I have there is I don't know if I believe in Sam Darnold, but I agree with everything you're saying. And he had Teddy Bridgewater there last year. Not much better than Sam Darnold, fantasy-wise. The thing is, yeah, but he's a bridge quarterback. He's literally the Bridgewater, like the bridge quarterback. So, like, I I just don't know if Darnold can be – he has the potential to be better than a bridge or worse than a bridge. And I just I lean on like worse. Robbie Anderson did play with Sam Darnold, and he was pretty fantasy relevant. In New I York, guess. you know. Guess. So if it's just situations getting better, I don't know for what you're getting them. I think he's worth it. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think that with my pick, I want to go with. I mean, I would pick Kenny Galladay if I didn't just trash him in the next round because it's the same situation as Diggs, right? He goes to a different team. And then he could break, he could conceivably be the number one option. I could totally see that. And I would make the case for that. But I already trashed him, so we're gonna move on with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a different Carolina wide receiver who's also the second option, but he's no longer in Carolina. He is in Washington now. Dang it. <laughs> were Dang you it. were you picking Curtis Samuel too? Yes, I was gonna say Curtis Samuel. Okay, why don't you go ahead? I'll pick a different guy. Don't worry. No, let me go ahead, go ahead. I'll I wanna no, make no, no, challenge. Go ahead. You you wanna make it challenging? Yeah. All right. I mean, Curtis Samuel, he is also reuniting with someone, just like Robbie Anderson with Donald. He's reuniting with Ron Rivera, right? Ron didn't pick this guy out of a hat for no reason. He wants to mold his offense just like he did in Carolina. That's why he got Antonio Gibson, who expects to be kind of in a Christian McCaffrey role with Washington. He got he all he already has Terry McLaurin, but he wants Curtis Samuel because I think he can bring out the best in him. And I think he already has been able to bring out the best of him back in Carolina. And I think he is going to be here because Curtis Samuel can be a gadget kind of guy as well. We saw him line up in the backfield at times. We saw him catch kind of swing passes and end arounds. He's still got that kind of same, like he's got those Claypool kind of plays that we were talking about before. So he obviously has a certain role within the offense already. And we already know that they're going to get a designated amount of snaps and they're going to get a designated amount of targets to him already. Then you add in the quarterback effect, right? Washington was a decent team. They were only a playoff team because of their defense. They literally started like guys like Alex Smith, Taylor Heineke, Dwayne Haskins, and uh, several like others, which are not good quarterbacks. They upgraded somehow. If you consider it an upgrade with Ryan Fitzpatrick, I would consider it an upgrade just because the guy whether it's Fitzmagic or Fitztragic, he loves to pass. <laughs> and he loves to pass deep. And, you know, Terry McLaurin's going to get a lot of those targets, and I think that's why he's getting an upgrade kind of in this offense. People expect him to be a wide receiver one, but don't sleep on Curtis Samuel right now because his ADP is way down there just because he's a wide receiver too, um, and he's with a new team. Guess what? Calvin Ridley was a wide receiver too. Guess what? Stephon Diggs was on a new team. I think that 
Curtis Samuel is going to be able to adapt quickly within the Ron Rivera team. And I think that Fitzmagic is going to give him his opportunities deep downfield. I think he could see a lot of big plays. And if not, you don't see him in the passing game, you could easily work him in in the run game. I think my pushback, uh, only a little pushback I can give you on someone getting drafted that low, is he's always fucking hurt. He's hurt right now. I'm pretty That's sure true. it's not a major yep, injury. Exactly. But <laughs> he is always hurt. You know, that shit is very annoying. We all know that. It's just the way of it, you know, the way it is. Not much we can do about it. But my second pushback is I really do believe in McLaurin. And I'm not saying you guys don't. I just think that he's the number one and defined number one. So for him to really like, uh, for Curtis Amon to really like take that leap, he'll have to really be efficient with the touches he gets. And that kind of depends on Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's never really been reliable. I know for fantasies he's been reliable, but like, you know, you don't know what you're getting with him. So it's just kind of scary. And I know he's obviously getting drafted very late, so it's not that big of a deal. But, you know, just remember, he might get hurt for you. So, yeah, he's, you know, that's what you get with him. Yeah, it's that injury risk. I oh, man. This you is really guy? tough. This is really okay. tough, dude. Curtis Samuel was my guy. <laughs> oh, my. Uh, this is going to be a reach then, I guess. Um, I'll just go with Darius Slayton on the Giants. It's, it's pretty easy to see, like, Darius Lane was one of uh, Danny Dimes' like favorite players to throw to, uh, like later, like later in the season last year. And now that they have um, Kenny Galladay, I feel like he'll be getting less attention from quarterbacks. And uh, he's pretty fast, he's quick, and we already know that the Giants are always going to be down in games. So, like, um, I think Darius Slayton is like super late, like like ninth rounders, all the way at the end, like not even on way, like worth drafting. But I feel like we just get so much. Uh, potential there just because I, I kind of watched them last season and I don't know I, I like Darius has that like it factor for me he's just really fast and they're always going to be down games it's my only argument Curtis Samuel is my guy <laughs> I mean I, I don't think know. you can make the argument that Jones has a chemistry with uh, Slayton yeah, that yeah, the yeah, other guys bit. don't have right like uh, like with Galladay and with uh, the new guy that they brought in um, this Tony, I want to say, Kadarius. Kadarius Tony, Tony. Yeah. yeah. But he's, uh, um, I mean, if it matters, he's been fucking horrible in training camp, so. Tony? Yeah, he's been terrible. Uh, I mean, that's a new yeah, he's still He still got drafted first round, so I'm pretty sure they'll still give him touches. They traded down, right? They had Devontae Smith on the table. I, I think they the Eagles snatched him up, and then they traded down with the Bears, and then they drafted Tony instead. That's a shame. They could have had Devonta Smith and they had Tony instead. This is horrible. This is really hard because it caught me off. Uh, I can't believe you chose Curry Samuel. <laughs> great minds <laughs> like. Next time you go first, then. That's true. All uh, right. Well, I think so. Gonna... You guys can both get blamed for it. Oh, okay. Right. Wait, wait. This is just like. This is wait like a second. Begging. I did it to take Gav's argument. <laughs> This is, you, dude, you're like begging for like Slayton to be good. I think John Ross, actually, let me change my answer. John Ross, he's better. I like him better. Who's John oh Ross anyway? The I'm the Giants. Oh my he's on the Giants too. <laughs> Anyone that's not Connie Galladay, he's going to be good. This is like the first time probably ever in any fantasy like football podcast that anyone has named four different wide receivers on the Giants. Any of them. Yeah. Like, no one would ever do that. Giants are going to be the most explosive offense in the league, so I might as well take all their quarterbacks and all their receivers. <laughs> yeah. That was a reach. It was a huge reach. Don't listen to anything I said right now. 
We named two of them as breakout candidates. Oh my god. John Ross and Slayton, and then we did and we shit on Galladay. <laughs> oh dude, what if Galladay is great? Oh man. Should we bring up their most viable pass pass catching option and Evan Ingram, or should we just not talk about it? Oh my Saquon. god. Oh, Saquon that guy Saquon should be Saquon. my guy who I hate the most, bro. That guy could not catch a ball. Dude, he couldn't catch. Oh, I, I don't want to say it. Never mind. I'm going to get canceled. Never mind. Oh, my Lord. I don't know if I want to hear it. Yeah, no, no, that's kind of terrifying. I'm sure Dylan has some beef, too, with him. I think he hated Ingram at the end of the season. Um, yeah. I wouldn't. I don't see why. Yeah. He was a pro bowler, though. That was a pro bowl season for him. Yeah, that's, uh, that's some bullshit. Even over Tanyan. Yeah, that's crazy. NFL makes no sense. Hey. It's a fan vote. <laughs> Again, I hate, the, I hate the NFL. <laughs> NFL hates you. What a beautiful way to end it. Yeah, I think that's good enough for one episode of the draft special. We're going to have a lot more draft guidance and advice for you in the weeks to come. We're probably going to do another episode focusing more on quarterbacks and tight ends and maybe some sleeper picks. But until then, thank you for listening and I hope to... See you back next episode. See you. Bye.